This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, November 5th, 2021. Good afternoon. I'm Kyle Kellams. This is KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. On our show today, Amos Cochran and Kevin Blagg talk to us about their rare live performance collaboration, Air Structures, taking place tomorrow night in Clapp Auditorium on Mount Sequoia. And just ahead, Michael Tilly with Talk Business and Politics discusses a milestone for ARCBEST and other news from this week. Governor Asa Hutchinson says the federal government imposing COVID-19 vaccine mandates on businesses, hospitals, and nursing homes presents what he calls a very significant constitutional challenge. The governor, who has been encouraging people to get vaccinated, said at a news conference yesterday that requiring people to get a vaccine will spur even more hostility and suspicion. Businesses, very importantly, should have the freedom to decide for themselves what is the best for their workplace and the health of their workers and customers. The results of these mandates are very significant. The result of these mandates is to create hardship on people, businesses, and our efforts to get people back to work. The governor says the federal mandate, coupled with state laws passed by the Arkansas legislature this fall that are in direct opposition to federal mandates, can put some businesses in the state in a difficult position. And there are 428 new cases of COVID-19 in Arkansas. After another 24 hours of testing, the Arkansas Department of Health recorded 18 newly confirmed deaths from the disease, 17 fewer active cases, and 23 fewer hospitalizations because of coronavirus. And it's on to the SEC Tournament Finals for the fifth-ranked Arkansas Razorback soccer team. Last night, Arkansas defeated Auburn 5-1 to to reach the tournament championship for the sixth consecutive year. Arkansas will meet Tennessee at 1 Sunday afternoon on the SEC Network. This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone from his office in Fort Smith is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics, who inexplicably likes colder weather. Welcome back, Michael. It's not inexplicable. It's just common sense, you know. (laughs) It's it's those knuckle draggers you like it hot, but I don't understand. Well, to each their own, (laughs) as I have said before when we talk. (laughs) Let's start with a big number, billion with a B and arc best. They passed that milestone. Yes. Yep. Now, um, I know for the Walmart watchers out there, a billion and a quarter may not be much, but for ArcBest, it's their first quarter in corporate history, and the company's been around almost 100 years, 98 years. And it's the first quarter in their history that they reached a billion do- over a billion dollars in revenue. Uh, it was $1.016 billion. That was up 28% compared to the same period in 2020. Their net income... Uh, third quarter net income was um, just under $64 million, uh, which was well ahead of the $29.4 million in the same quarter last year. Um, and the revenue for the company, now this, again, ArcBest is now, you know, the parent company of ABF Freight and ArcBest Logistics. So it's a shipping and logistics company. But the revenue in the first nine months of the company is $2.7, almost $2.8 billion, up from $2.1 billion in 2020 and net income in the first nine months is 148 million. That's up over 213% uh, compared to the same period in 2020. And, and I want to kind of point out, we've talked before about how these JB Hunt and, and, and Pam Transport and ArcBest, a lot of these trucking and logistics companies are doing better because of the supply chain disruption and now bottlenecks and all of that. I want to give your, uh, listeners, uh, uh, just a couple of numbers to explain where how this money comes in. First of all, they're in in the trucking industry, especially in the less than truckload, which is primarily what ArcBest does through ABF Freight. Their average build revenue per hundred weight, which is a term in the industry, was thirty eight dollars and ninety five cents in the first nine months, up almost fourteen percent compared to the same period in twenty twenty. The average build revenue per shipment. Again, the average build revenue per shipment in the first nine months was $511, up uh, a little over 17%. What those two numbers tell you is that ArcBest and companies like them are able to get a lot more money, double-digit percentage increases to haul 
the same stuff they were hauling last year and also their tonnage is up. I think the tonnage up the tonnage for the first nine months of the year was up uh it's over four percent uh for ArcBest. And and if you look at their logistics numbers, you're seeing some of the same increases in terms of the revenue per load and that type of thing. So the question is if you're a uh, ArcBest shareholder which unfortunately before I had a little break between my, in my journalism career. And I tell you how smart I am, Kyle, I had shares, uh, art best shares that were a little over $20 and they hit $30. And I thought I was going to be real smart and cash it in. Mm-hmm. Shares are, shares are around a hundred bucks. Now the question is how long does this last? Who knows? I, you can talk to two or three different economists and two or three different supply chain experts. And you're going to get, 10 to 20 different answers on when the supply chain issues begin to unwind. But um, I don't see this slowing down for the likes of ArcBest and J.B. Hunt uh, in the near term. All right. So as long as we're talking about giant percentage raises, let's go to uh, building activity in the Fort Smith metro area in October up, what, 250%? Yeah. Well, um, well, let me, let me, yeah, for, for October it was, it was, right. it was, up considerably. You had a couple of large um, uh, commercial permits uh, in Fort Smith for um, um, a C&G plant at the city's landfill and uh, for DBAT, DBAT baseball and softball academies. Apparently that's the thing now, indoor climate control facilities to teach people how to hit a ball. But let me just throw quickly, I'll run through these numbers because I know numbers can sometimes make people's eyes glaze over. Um, through the end of October, so for the first 10 months of the year, for the region, that's Fort Smith, Van Buren, and Greenwood. The region has total permit value of $285 million, higher than the $237 million for the same period last year. Fort Smith's numbers through the first 10 months are $244 million, That's up 16.4%. Van Buren has had uh, just under $32 million. That's up 59.4%. And in Greenwood... Uh, they've had just under 10 million, and that's up 21%. So, incredible increases for the first 10 months for those three cities. There, someone could argue that uh, inflation in construction materials and even in construction labor could cause that. I don't think it's. I don't think it can cause all of it, and especially in Van Buren's case, where they had almost 69% growth. Um, that's just more activity, and not only more activity, but higher values per permit uh, for the year uh, in the Fort Smith area. And again, this is on top of a record year last year. So these these comparisons aren't just against a, a very down year in 2020, because 2020 was a, a pretty remarkable year in terms of uh, construction activity also. Finally, I want to direct listeners to um, an article that came up late this week on talkbusiness.net. It's about a Southside High School graduate, uh, Air Force Academy cadet named Madison Marsh, who's really working hard to make the world a better place. Tell me about this article. Yeah, it's a, a great story. I, you know, I'd heard of Whitney's race, and it's Whitney was Madison's um, mother who died three years ago. In fact, November 1st was her, the three-year anniversary of her death. She was di- she was, di- was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and she died just ten months after that diagnosis. She was just forty one, uh, and had um, five kids, um, three girls and two boys. And so her family, along with Madison, formed this Whitney Marsh Foundation, where they're raising money and awareness for pancreatic cancer. Um, I didn't know this. I, I think we instinctively know that pancreatic cancer is not a a good thing, but I didn't know that just a little over 9% of people diagnosed with pancreatic cancer live more than five years. So it's a, it's damn near a death sentence. And so, um, Madison is lobbying. She's a near at the U S air force Academy. She was able to get a, a few days leave and, uh, Congressman Steve Womack, uh, from Rogers was able to set her up with some meetings with different con- uh, members of Congress with, uh, officials at the national institutes of health. And she just happened to run into Tony Blair, the former um, UK prime minister. And according to Mr. Womack, who I was able to interview, uh, Mr. Blair didn't just say hi and how you doing and move off. He stood there and listened to her, to Madison's elevator speech about the issue and about the need for more funding. So that was kind of the highlight of the, the trip to some extent, the headline. But maybe the more important thing is that 
she was also able to talk to this Capital One Zoom meeting, the bank company. They had a Zoom conference about veterans issues, and and Madison was able to get in there and, and get on there and talk about the Whitney Marsh uh, Foundation and what she was doing. Uh, and they were so impressed that they, on the spot, gave her a ten, they donated ten thousand uh, dollars to the Whitney Marsh Foundation. So um, she didn't come away empty-handed. She said she's going to keep lobbying officials in Congress as long as she can to get to get more money for pancreatic cancer research. Part of her objective is to create this testing system using members of the military and veterans. So because there's not a lot of testing to establish some better better processes for early diagnosis, because early diagnosis is the only way to have a, a chance to beat um, pancreatic cancer. So that's part of her push also. It's a great article, and it's among the things that you can find at talkbusiness.net. And so, in between your doom scrolling, go find this article, and it'll give you, it'll give you a lift. <laughs> yes, it, it will. It will. Thanks for the thanks for the note on that. All right, Michael Tilley is with Talk Business and Politics. You can read about all of this and so much more at talkbusiness.net. All right, get under your down blanket. Enjoy this chilly weekend. We'll talk again next Friday. All right, yeah. Nothing like a good blanket and a good cup of coffee. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Michael. (laughs) All right, later. Walton Arts Center presents the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Thursday, November 11th at 7 p.m. This 18-member orchestra carries on the legacy started in 1938 and remains one of the most popular, sought-after big bands in the world. They'll perform a Veterans Day salute, including songs from Glenn's original Army Air Force Band, waltonartscenter.org, or 443-5600 for tickets. KUAF is supported by the Almond Branches Grand Opening the second week of November at 418 South Main in Harrison. The Almond Branch offers Patagonia gear and provisions, spices in bulk, essential oils, soaps, and more. Facebook slash The Almond Branch Harrison for more information. The Bentonville girls have their fourth consecutive cross-country state championship. The Tigers won the state 6A title in Hot Springs yesterday. By the way, the Kingston girls won the 1A championship yesterday, and the Fayetteville boys captured their fifth consecutive 6A title yesterday as well. Many international aid groups cut off aid to Afghanistan after the Taliban took power in August. Millions of Afghans already face food shortages. We'll hear how they're coping. And the latest from the COP26 climate summit in Scotland, political fallout for Democrats after this week's elections. Those stories, books, music, and all the news Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, tomorrow from 7 to 9 on KUAF. You can also listen by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Theater Squared season is continuing with Tiny Beautiful Things. It's an exploration of living and offering advice. It's inspired by Cheryl Strand's time as the voice behind the anonymous advice column, Dear Sugar. It's adapted for the stage by Nia Vardalos, the writer of My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Last week, we sat down on the set. It's an intimate kitchen where the audience spends time with sugar, with the actor playing sugar, Rebecca Harris. Harris has a wonderful history with T2, including being the entire cast in the first ever T2 production, the one-person show Blind Dates. She's also been in The Half-Life of Marie Curie and Good People. During our conversation, we discussed performing in front of what is basically a hometown audience, the intimate theater at T2, and what drew Rebecca to the script. I think it's the humanity of it and the storytelling. I had read uh, Cheryl's book when it came out, the the Tiny Beautiful Things book, which is like just a whole compilation of all the letters. And I was like, oh, this is this is the kind of advice I would like to give. So I actually bought copies of it for my teen and 20s something nieces and gave it to them. And I just it's like she's she's sharing her own her own uh, problems in her own life in an attempt to help or enlighten or connect with uh, people that would write in, you know, to, to this column. And then I knew that somebody had done it as a had turned it into a play um, and then it had come up in conversations, you know, it's like, oh, this is something I would like to do. So then when they put it on the on the season, I was like, OK, whatever, whatever it takes, I'm, I'm going to try to try to be a part of this. And when you say advice, because this is a character who 
dispenses advice. Right, right. Uh, so she, uh, Cheryl Strait is a novelist um, and a memoir writer, but then she sort of took on this uh, advice column called Dear Sugar. And it, she, it, that's made clear in the play she, early on. She took it over from someone else who had been doing it. And then she was like, what am I? I don't know. I don't have any business doing this. And yet she did as a person who had lived through some really challenging and horrific times. And then, and then so she kind of uses those things to, to, um, to encourage and uh, empower other people who, who wrote in. So yeah, and it, so this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey of her finding the voice of sugar. Um, and then, and then also examples of the letters, you know, and her responses. Is there a parallel between you as an actor finding the voice of a character and this character finding the voice of this advice columnist? Oh yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly. There's a there's a journey every time you do a part. I mean, like Good People, we were just discussing like, oh, you know, finding the accent, like Marie Curie I did last season and finding her accent and her voice and what you need to say, which then you're sort of melding with the writer, like the writer has created a voice um, for this character, you can't see air quotes on the radio, that's tough, voice, um, but um, but yeah, f f for sure. And then you, you learn to trust it more and more. Like I think the way that, that she learned to trust that what she had to offer was enough. Um, you sort of get to a place in it with a character in a, in a rehearsal process where you're like, oh, this is it. I've found it. I've arrived. This is enough. Yeah. And it's, this is a slightly separate question, but when you're playing someone who is real, who is an actual human that exists in the world. And some plays demand more of a kind of likeness and than others. This, this is pretty open. Marie Curie kind of needed um, something pretty specific. And, um, and, and, and I like doing that, but you kind of, I kind of work in this way where the character, the, like the character is, is red and you are blue and you kind of are merging to find this sort of purple. Cause you know, if you just try to imitate them, you're, it's going to end up being sort of hollow. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I, I, I think I think finding finding something that everybody um, can relate to is is key. That purple, ideally, you find it before opening night, or can it still get a little bit more purple as the the production run goes? I think definitely it will get more purple. Um, it, it's interesting this doing working in this town and this theater it's a really small space as you can as you can see and so you're right here so I make eye contact with about the first two rows um, and they really I mean people always say that like oh the audience is the the last ingredient and and it, it is but it really is in this show and because I'm from here then I can also look out and see people that I know mm -hmm. um, I was saying to um, someone today that Every audience is a little bit like, this is your life. You know, my, my first grade teacher, my um, high school drama teacher, uh, Warren Rosenauer, just had lunch with him today. My high school English teacher, um, you know, family, obviously. But, but yeah, it's, um, it, 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 and, and the stories start to, to resonate and you can feel them land differently night to night and they land differently in me. So yeah, yeah, it, it will continue to grow for sure. Okay, well, then let's talk about this because this, this theater space is always intimate. T2's always been intimate. Right. You're close. This one, for some reason, feels even closer than usual. And it's in somebody's kitchen, which feels intimate, too. Right. That works for the audience, but it works for you as well. I mean... Yeah, like you were saying, is there, you know, do you do you work better on a on a good set? And it is that there's an ease and a comfort in this. And, you know, over the course of the evening, I tidy up, you know, I mean, it, the house is a bit of a mess when you first come in and then and then. Um, and so, yeah, it's that's nice. It feels comfortable and she's finding it here. It's funny that you say that about this space because because of COVID actually, actually the audience is technically farther away than they normally are. We have a six foot, um, what do you call that? Like a barrier, barrier boundary. A boundary. Yeah. So, cause that, so we had, they had initially drawn up the set and then they had to kind of go shrink, like shrink it a little bit. So to allow for these six feet between the edge of the set and the first audience member. What would you tell people who are hearing this conversation, why 
they should be, you know, gosh, I can't believe they'd ever be closer, this close to this production. What a chance for a pitch for this oh, play. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, my thought is why not? Why not? How could you not come? It's, um, it, it's a really great opportunity at this juncture. Like we are just opening the doors in theater and in, again, again, this is going to make me weepy, but we, in, in society and in our life, and we have been, you know, sort of isolated and kept uh, in, our, in our own spaces. And this is such a, a, a small, beautiful way to kind of come experience other people and these, these four actors uh, telling these great stories. Um, and then actually to be around in a room with other people, um, you know, delightfully vaccinated, masked people, so it's safe, I mean, but you're in a room full of people, which I, for one, really, really missed. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it's a, a chance to be with other people and, and, and hear all these, these, these great, great challenging stories, but then really uplifting and, and open and honest answers that Sugar has for them. Do you ever have people see you around here who don't know you but have seen you on stage and kind of give you that side eye like, who is she? Is she? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I've had people stop me in, you know, Ozark Natural Foods and say, hey, aren't you the, 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 the lady from fill in the blank, you know? I mean, I don't know now with, with masks if that's as likely because uh, I, can, I can never recognize anyone. And I'm always genuinely surprised. I'm like how can you possibly recognize me? I'm so transformed, <laughs> you know? Um, but I, uh, yeah, I am. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it happens. Um, it happens for sure. Uh, what I thought you were going to ask is if I had, if, if that's ever happened, if people were concerned, but I, when I, the very, very first, the thing that made me become an actor, it was, I did Helen Keller at, um, uh, art center of the Ozarks. And somebody insisted on meeting me afterwards to see, to make sure I wasn't really blind or deaf. And, um, and it was so moving. It was such a powerful experience as like an 11 year old to be like, oh, you know. Uh, and so, you know, so to, to tell the difference, that there is a difference between, you know, me and, a, and, and the character. That's a high compliment. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, no, for sure. And I was like, oh, I really kind of understood the power of theater in that, in that moment, you know, and here I am. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's, uh, I, 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 I think it's, um, I think that it's interesting to do theater for people, you know, it's a different experience than, than a, than a complete stranger. Um, they have a different journey than people, you know, than people who know me. Thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I told my niece I was coming to do this and she was like, oh my gosh. NPR and, and Ozarks at Large and you. Those are like all of my favorite things. She was like, I can't wait to listen. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Rebecca Harris talked with us on the set of Tiny Beautiful Things at Theater Squared last week. The production continues through December 5th with in-person and streaming performances. Much more information at theater2.org. In the background is Pat Martino on the guitar playing We'll Be Together Again. And this week on Shades of Jazz, we will pay tribute to the late, great Pat Martino. He passed away this last Monday. I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades of Jazz. Join me for a full hour of music of this great maestro. We will hear tracks from Martino's discography from the 70s up into the 2000s. Shades of Jazz on KUAF. Shades of Jazz with Robert Ginsburg tonight from 10 to midnight on KUAF, then tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3, which is available on your HD radio in your car or at home, as well as at KUAF.com or streaming through the KUAF app. Tomorrow night, Air Structures, the musical combination of Amos Cochran and Kevin Blagg, will deliver a live experience in Clap Auditorium on Mount Sequoia with untied opening. Air Structures uses not just guitar, keyboard, cymbals, and other instruments, but space, sound, and time to create music that can simultaneously completely capture your attention and also allow you to think on your own. Their live performances are infrequent, even in non-pandemic times, so we wanted to find out more. This week, Amos Cochran and Kevin Blagg came to the Carver Center for Public Radio. Amos, an Emmy-nominated composer, says their music 
is about performance, but it's also about listening to each other. And I think it's almost, we're not even so much listening musically. It's almost like we're listening on a frequency level. And it's like currently the sound that is happening, where could we fill in frequencies? It's like Kevin's up here. Well, I'll play some stuff that's lower and vice versa. And that sort of just happened without conversation. It's just it's just what happened. And then we crafted that into actual songs because we're not really improvising. Well, I was, I'm glad you brought up that word right. because it sounds like when you first got together, it was improvise somewhat and then I don't know if refined is the right word or yeah, structured yeah. or <clears throat> yeah I mean everything so I don't it doesn't matter what you're composing in any sense it starts out with improvisation even if you're writing a very strict piano piece you're going to sit down and just mess around so the beginning of everything is usually kind of a, a freeform thing but also too we bring a lot of I some of my tunes that I play in different ways we, I brought those to the table, and we play our versions of those. And same thing with Kevin's songs. He has songs that he composed on his own, and then we bring them to the table together and then add this sort of sonic paying attention to them. What's an example of a, a song you composed, Kevin, that then you play together as a, a duo? Um, well, the song Primary Respiration, um, that was a song I composed on my own and brought it to Amos, and it changed song lengthened and but because there was a some concise parts to begin with um, that gave us something to abstract from so if you're listening to each other does it matter where you are in relation to each other when performing do you want to be able to see each other yes we need to be able to see each other yeah it's just kind of nice because it does i think you what you're presenting people they need to understand it in some fashion and if there are two people standing there they are comfortable experiencing that they see that it shows all the time um and it's just nice to be in this you feel you're feeling i wouldn't want to like try to do something virtual because you want to feel the same tonality that's floating around the room But we really, there's not a lot of like eye contact moments where we land on this downbeat. We've tried that some and we actually always take it away because it just doesn't work as well. Like there've been a few cues and songs that we try to work through and it's always better when we just let it happen how it feels like it should happen. But again, it's not improvising. And so it's sort of tricky. It's like, I was thinking about it today and sort of like we take the concepts of jazz music, but it happens in very slow motion with very non-traditional sounds. You say non-traditional, but I don't want listeners to get the wrong idea. It's incredibly approachable. That's good news. <laughs> That's good to hear. I mean, for me it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think we're all using, I mean, Kevin's playing a guitar, and I'm using a computer with a whole bunch of sounds that I can pull from for each tune. And that's another thing that stays consistent for me for each tune. I'm always going to play a certain set of sounds for that song. And then the next song, I'm going to play a certain set of sounds. And that's kind of, and those sounds are not, it's not atonal at all. We're always hanging out in a key. So people are not going to be too off put by, it's like, oh, this is this grating string sound that goes against stuff. There's weird distorted sounds, but it is approachable. I mean, we've, I think as humans now, we've listened to a lot of stuff and we've been to a lot of movies where sound design is mixed in with the score and we're accepting a lot more than we ever have on a sound level. so sound focused 
when we're playing that it's it, that's the sound being right is more important than anything I'm going to actually play. It's like the way that I sort of have always thought about what I'm doing in air structures is constantly filling up a glass of water with sound and everything I'm using has a lot of delay on it with these really long, like very long decays. And so that'll slowly disappear. And then I'll go, oh, I need to put more water in that cup. When you're composing and you're thinking about delay, what's that like to play with or um, write yeah, with? Well, yeah, composing with delay, you have to play in a more minimal manner because more happens than what you're physically playing. So it, it takes a while to create a technique to where you can play with delay because it's easily uh, easy to overplay with your picking or strumming, and then it just turns into a big mess. So you have to be reserved about what you decide to what notes you decide to play. It's so like if you're choosing a color, and if you use all the colors at the same time, it's just going to be a brown mess. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be a little more selective of which colors you're putting together. Live performance. It's been not as much over the last yeah. 20 months. Right. Exactly. It's exciting to, to have a, a full audience. Um, I mean, Amos and I have, have done some you know, social distancing, small concerts uh, independently of one another throughout the pandemic. But, yeah, this is our first show that we've done. Yeah. Uh, since, since the Crystal Bridges show, no, actually, and we or, played at Phoenix. Oh, like, Phoenix right Gallery. Before, that's right. It was the December right before the pandemic. Um, we actually had to get. We had a show planned in Little Rock that we had to cancel that Friday the thirteenth, March twenty twenty, mm -hmm. when everything like they were canceling mm -hmm. basketball tournaments and everything. We were like loading the cars to go play in Little Rock, and we finally just said we're not going to do it. So it's been really since we haven't done a lot. At all. I mean, we've gotten together and played some, but mm -hmm. it feels good. It's exciting. Um, there's, it's definitely there's a there's an urgency about playing live that you can't accomplish otherwise. Um, it it matters. It, it, you hold it to a little bit of a higher. Like this version, the versions of the songs we play on Saturday night will be held to a slightly higher standard than if we're just playing them in Kevin's apartment. Mm -hmm. And that's fun. Whether they're better or worse, it doesn't matter. It's not like, oh, well, that one version, that one time. It's not like that, but it's like, again, it comes to like we're presenting this to the pe to it's people. It's an additional element. And it is. Yes. And you're, you're, it's, a it's, a, it's a little more exciting. I mean, I was thinking just yesterday, I was like, oh, we get to have that like buzz, that like fun. Because I don't play live that much. I'm very selective with when I play, and we're very selective with when we play together just because the, the atmosphere needs to be right. We're not really a fan of playing over in the corner while people talk. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, a, it's an event. It's a thing. We want you to be there and be present. And if the venue or the atmosphere is not that, then we're, I'm not, I'm not going to play, and Kevin's not going to play either. Yeah. Probably, and so. I think we play better <clears throat> in the live setting where, you, where the energy of the crowd is there. Kevin Blagg and Amos Cochran will perform live tomorrow night in Clapp Auditorium that's on Mount Sequoia. The concert begins at 7. Untight, featuring Sam King, will open the show. Tickets are $15. Much more information can be found by clicking on the events button at mountsequoia.org. Amos and Kevin came to our studio earlier this week. Walton Arts Center presents a conversation with Hassan Minhaj with guest moderator Hina Patel, Monday, November 8th at 7 p.m. This host of Patriot Act with Hassan Minhaj explores the modern cultural and political landscape through the unique comedic voice of a first-generation American. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 443-5600 for tickets. This is Ozarks at Large. With me via Zoom is our underwriting director, Rhonda Dillard. Rhonda, how are you? I'm doing great, Kyle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always an exciting time to be on Ozarks at Large. It is. It's exciting because we get to give somebody something. What are we giving somebody this time? Well, this time we have the 74th annual original Ozark Folk Festival, and it's going to be uh, November the 11th through the 14th. A lot of local national acts, a couple of internationally recognized folk and Americana acts. 
will be going on. And so it's going to be in Eureka Springs and uh, in various locations there. So we are giving away tickets to a variety of these performances, which include Todd Snyder, Jonathan Bird, and the Pickup Cowboys, um, also followed by Melissa Carper and the oh, Blue Hankies. Yeah. I love the name Blue Hankies. I think that's extremely fun. Uh, and also Gangster Grass will be performing as well. I, I've heard they are fantastic, and they were on um, oh the television show Most Talented, one America's of the TV Got shows. Got Talent? Thank you very much. And they did win that. Oh. So they will be performing on, if they didn't win, they came close. Let's go with that. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. And they'll be performing on the 13th uh, with the Creek Rocks. And I think we just heard a listener trying to call in and still get entered too late. Too late. <laughs> I, I know. That, but we appreciate you trying. That's right. You know, always try. <laughs> always be conscient, conscious of the deadline. All right. That's right. We're about to pick up the winner randomly. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, I often hope it's somebody I don't know just to avoid, you know, the appearance of favoritism or whatever. But when it's someone I know and it's a really good person, that also makes me happy. A really good person oh. who will appreciate this. So Tom Rimkus of Huntsville, great friend of KUAF, has won the tickets. Tom, congratulations. And as you said, these are randomly chosen by the computer through FileMaker. So Tom, you legitimately won, and yes. I hope you have a legitimate great time. Rhonda Dillard, our underwriting director at KUAF. Thank you, Rhonda. Kyle, thank you. This is Ozarks at Large. It's a Friday tradition on our program to bring in the features editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Becca Martin-Brown. We're doing it again today. Hello, Becca. Hi, Kyle. How are you? It has been a busy week. <laughs> Have you ever figured out how long we've been doing this? No. Uh, you know, my only marker is that it, we did it for several years in our old studio, and we're about to mark our 12th anniversary in this studio. So that's as, as close as I Holy can get cow. right now. I wish I could tell you that I had like a plan yeah. for this week, but I really don't. That's all I have right. some random cool stuff that you should go do. I like random and I like cool, so let's go. Okay, so you should go tonight to see the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas season opener. The program will include Mozart's clarinet concerto with Sonus principal clarinet performer Trevor Stewart and Beethoven's Third Symphony, the Eroica. Now, here's what Paul Haas says. Okay. Because you know Paul Haas, the music director, always has something cool to say. Yes. He says, I feel strongly that we should stop calling it classical music. It's orchestral music or music played by a large group of fantastic musicians on a stage. It's hard to get onto a liner for our KUAF2, which we call your all-day classical music station, but I understand exactly <laughs> what he's saying. And he wants to, what he wants to say, I believe, is that orchestral music is accessible to everybody. Absolutely. 7.30 tonight. Tickets start at $35. Sonamusic.org. Now, tomorrow morning, or, yeah, tomorrow morning. God, I've got myself confused now. <laughs> Saturday morning at the mall in Rogers, Frisco Station Mall, the woodcarvers of Northwest Arkansas are having a show and sale. Not all of them started... When they were children, some of this has been something that they started as adults heading toward retirement. It's from 9 to 6 tomorrow and 10 to 3 on Sunday. They say use the entrance near Hobby Lobby at Frisco Station Mall. Admission is free and how much you spend is between you and your higher power. But don't get me in the middle of it because I am not a good influence. Also tomorrow is the wrap-up of Dia de los Muertos in Springdale. Yeah. This has been going on for a week. That They've had people come and put things on the altar and, well, create the altar and then put things on the altar. And now it's time for the Day of the Dead procession and then music and dancing and crafts and food. The Day of the Dead procession starts at noon tomorrow, followed by all the other goodies at Shiloh Square in downtown Springdale, and it's free. And then I think you could do that and still make it to the Phoenix Arts Day of the Dead 
celebration and awards ceremony on Mount Sequoia, which is from 6 to 8 p.m. tomorrow. They've got the altar. They're going to have a parade with a giant monarch butterfly and traditional Mexican folk dancers. And then community members are invited to place objects and items on the altar. And there will be traditional food and Day of the Dead art projects created by students at Springdale and Harbor High Schools. John Brown University is doing Into the Woods, the Stephen Sondheim musical that everybody who loves musical theater loves. Anyway, two opportunities tonight and tomorrow night at 7.30 at Berry Performing Arts Center. I believe tickets for adults are $16. And then if you want to look ahead to Thursday, which will be here before you know it, it's time for the Fayetteville Film Festival. You're right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. It starts Thursday at the Global Campus Center on the Square in Fayetteville and the Prior Center, but they're also doing it as a hybrid event. So there are many things you can see and do online. And it's a really cool event, and people really put some passion into it. It is well worth your time. And you can read more about it in this Sunday's What's Up. And tickets start at $25 for passes, you know, that take you through the whole event. Becca Martin-Brown is a great sport. She's also the Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Oh, and guess what, Becca? Guess what? We turn back the clock this weekend. Oh, yeah. That's what we all need, another hour of 2021. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Becca. Yeah. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Little Guys Movers, a community-oriented company rooted in creating better lives for customers and employees alike, providing jobs and serving customers for over 28 years. More than just a moving company, littleguys.com for information. This is Ozarks at Large. The legendary local musician Smilin' Bob Lewis may have died in 2019, but his music lives on through a collection of vintage guitars that are on sale this week at the Fayetteville Roots headquarters in downtown Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth stopped by the Gunsinger Music House to survey the more than 100 unique instruments. Dozens of guitars, banjos, fiddles, amps, and other assorted instruments line the walls of the Fayetteville Roots Headquarters, a restored turn-of-the-century building in downtown Fayetteville. The personal collection of beloved local musician Smilin' Bob Lewis is now up for sale through this weekend. You go to a usually like guitar center or something like that, and there'll be like one guitar out of the whole store that's like, oh, well, that's the cool one. And these are all the cool ones. <laughs> if you know what I mean. So it's like, how can, you, how can you miss this? That's Rachel Ammons, a friend and apprentice of Lewis. She says he had a knack for collecting strange and unique instruments. He loved all the weird stuff, like the Sears catalog stuff, Japanese type stuff that was, you know, imported in the 50s. And he also liked what he would call rescue pets, which was if you find a broke guitar, like, fix them up. Nice. And I apprenticed him for quite a long time. I'm actually going to be fixing this one today. <laughs> but uh, he saw what was special about each, each one. And so all the ones that he collected, there's a little something special about each one. There, All I can say is that there's a mojo. Like, each of them has a special little voice. If you, sometimes, if you get in a rut, like songwriting, I've found that if you just pick up a new guitar, it will speak to you in a different way and can be a source of inspiration. Some of these guitars out like if you you really just have to pick them up and play on them to really see if it speaks to you which is why it's great to have all of them out <laughs> that you can just come through and hook them up to an amp like john over here is doing and, uh, lewis who was known for playing in a host of local bands like the river mountain band the ben miller band and tyrannosaurus chicken passed away in 2019 he amassed his collection of vintage instruments over his long career, and Ammon says no two of the guitars on display are the same. 
Okay, this is just a, this is an electric one, but you can hear the tone, even acoustic. It's, uh, they've got that aluminum nut, and so it's going to give it a nice twangy sustain. And uh, some of them have the aluminum bridge, too, but this one has rosewood. So it's just got, it's just got a really nice tone, and the lipstick tube pickups are always good. And, you know, these aren't reproductions. These are original. So, I mean, this is good, this is good prices for this stuff. Um, we've even got the amp in the case for this other silver tone here that I really like, which is just a, it's a case, but it has an amp girl cloth on the front of it, and the amp is built into the case. So you can go do a little busking gig, just carry your case with your guitar, open up the case, stand it up. Not only does it look super cool, it also sounds really cool, and it's like pretty convenient. Brian Hembry, co-founder of Fayetteville Roots, says this is the first public event that the Roots has had in their building since before the COVID-19 pandemic. And he says a number of local musicians have turned out to pay their respects to Lewis and his collection. And, and it's been nice to see these instruments go out to musicians like Patty Steele who are going to yeah. use them and, and just keep that a piece of, of that mission of like returning a musical purpose to the square through this building and, and through what we do and, and through connecting with these kind of stories. You know, I've also been uh, inspired at how Smiling Bob, I think, is getting a, a resurgence of interest. You know, Brian Crown from Georgia's came and bought a guitar so he can put up on the wall at Georgia's, you know, to honor Smiling Bob. And I think I think it's going to have an opportunity for his legacy to, to live on. And Ammons says anyone, whether they knew Lewis or not, will walk away from the expo with more than just a guitar. And, and you don't have to be a virtuoso to buy one of these guitars and have an awesome piece of history and an awesome piece of, like, really something kind of connected to our community and know that it's from somebody who is just a really great person and who would be, it's like who would, who would have encouraged them in what they're doing too. All proceeds from the sale go to benefit Lewis's family. The expo continues through this Sunday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day at 1 East Mountain Street in Fayetteville. Masks are required with limited capacity, and shoppers can browse the instruments and are encouraged to test them out in the store. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. This is Ozarks at Large. With me via Zoom is Courtney Lanning. Courtney, welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Thanks for having me, Kyle. We are going to talk about a new film that stars arguably the most famous American actor working right now. I mean, you could say maybe De Niro or Pacino or George Clooney, but Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, who I think is America's sweetheart because it's it's just impossible to hate him. He has a pretty good track record when it comes to movies. This one is Finch. It's a streaming uh, product. Thumbs up? Two thumbs wildly up, actually. Oh, good. Oh, good. So set the stage for us. Movies that go straight to streaming, especially among the snob crowd, uh, have a reputation of not being as good as movies that go straight to theaters. Uh, And this movie breaks that stereotype entirely. Uh, Just because this movie is going straight to Apple TV+, don't let it fool you into thinking it's some kind of lesser film in any way. This is a big blockbuster about Tom Hanks surviving on a post-apocalyptic earth with giant storms and tornadoes, uh, and it all looks fantastic. So, you know, this this film has the guts to compete with any summer blockbuster. And just because it's on Apple TV Plus doesn't mean that you should write it off. It's it's absolutely worth watching. From what I've seen just briefly in like 15 second promotional spots, we've got Tom Hanks. It looks like he's got a canine friend and maybe some sort of cyborg or robot partner. Yeah. So I would describe the story as a combination of The Day After Tomorrow which is with that weather disaster film from, I think, 2002, and Wally, e uh, And it's essentially Tom Hanks is one of the last people on Earth. He has a dog, and the Earth's environment has collapsed, so sunlight is something like 150 degrees, and UV radiation roasts the human flesh if it gets in the sun. So Tom Hanks has to wear this exosuit anytime he's outside in the sunlight. 
uh, and he builds this AI robot partner to sort of help him because he's he's old and grizzled and he needs the help. But no volleyball named Wilson. No volleyball named Wilson. Um, but, you know, the movie does have some very tense scenes because Tom Hanks uh, lives in St. Louis and these giant storms are, you know, roving the, the planet because there's holes in the ozone. Uh, and so Tom Hanks finds out that there's this giant storm coming towards St. Louis and it's going to annihilate everything there. So he has to get as far west as he can. So he loads up in an RV with his robot companion, Jeff, and his dog, Goodyear. Uh, and they're just trying to make it to the mountains before this this crazy storm hits. And, you know, the RV has to survive uh, a tornado and it, they got to anchor it to the ground. And there's just a lot of really cool, tense scenes like that. Anything else we should know about Finch? So the coolest part of the movie is just watching the robot develop from this artificial intelligence that can barely speak at the beginning. Uh, and you sort of watch this robot grow from like personality wise from a young child to a, a stubborn, rebellious teenager and to a young adult all in the span of a couple days as it learns and figures out everything from walking to morals, uh, Put in place by stories that Tom Hanks tells the robot, uh, and it's it's just something really neat to watch for the story. Um, and the movie's only weakness, I think, is that it tends to yada yada a little too much with this robot and artificial intelligence. Uh, so the movie establishes Tom Hanks as, as a brilliant engineer, but we don't see him build the robot. We don't see him really code the artificial intelligence. He just the storm's coming, so he puts a chip into a, a robotic head and lowers a, a body that he had built from the ceiling, almost like a, a car in a body shop. Uh, and it's just ready to go. He teaches it to walk within 24 hours and they're in the RV gone. And, you know, I, I would have liked some watching Tom Hanks put the hardware together or doing some testing or building the fingers, something. You sent me an email what you hope to review next week. It's another streaming feature. Right. Disney Plus is going to be releasing a reboot of Home Alone. So we'll have to see how it goes. I, you know, they, did you know this? There are five Home Alone movies. Wait, are all, is the premise always that a, a young child is forgotten by his family and has to defend a home against would-be burglars? That's my understanding. Yeah, I've seen, seen the first four and that's pretty much the same for all of them. Oof. Courtney Lanning's full review of Finch can be found in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney, as always, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Kyle. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers and Subiaco. You can listen to us anywhere, anytime with the free KUAF app for iPhone. It's available at the App Store and it is absolutely free. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, who reports from the Karen Taha News Studio, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics, Becca Martin-Brown, the Features Editor with the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Courtney Lanning. Her full review of Fitch can be found in today's Democrat Gazette. Additional help today from the newsroom at KUAR. That's public radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. Our theme is titled First Raw. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. We're back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. And boy, do we have a lot of stuff for you next week for a full week of brand new daily editions of our show. Thanks for listening. I'm Kyle Kellums.